Hi, I'm Latresa. And I'm Clancy. And we are a mother-daughter duo that shares a love and admiration for all things Elvis. On this podcast, you can expect a deep dive into the life of Elvis Presley. We will discuss books written by Elvis's friends, family members, and others who knew him best. We will critique and enjoy Elvis movies, concerts, and music with those who grew up listening to his music, watching his movies, enjoying his concerts, and hopefully inspiring a new generation of Elvis fans along the way. With all the misconceptions surrounding Elvis, we want to remember his life and his legacy. The man, the friend, the entertainer, and the philanthropist. This podcast is dedicated to those of us who celebrate the life of one of the greatest entertainers of all times. Let's Talk Elvis! Nancy and Latresa. And welcome back to the Let's Talk Elvis podcast. I am really excited about the episode today. Um, we thought it would be cool to really dive deep and learn all about our favorite Elvis songs. Mine and my mom researched hers. We haven't talked about it at all, so we'll be learning right alongside you guys. But hopefully, you'll find some interesting things that you didn't know, and we will too. So, I guess I'll go first. I've said it probably every podcast episode, but my favorite Elvis song is If I Can Dream. Uh, I've always loved the 68 Comeback Special, and one time we were at Graceland, and I feel like it was just really you and me in the exhibit when I saw this. But they had a giant screen up. Uh, it was a 68 comeback special exhibit. They had a giant screen up and it was playing If I Can Dream. And I just remember getting chills. And I've always been a huge history buff. Uh, if you don't know, the uh, 68 was like the full swing of the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated in Memphis, which was Elvis's hometown that April. And then Senator Robert Kennedy was killed two months later. So there was a lot going on. And the director of the 68 Comeback Special, Steve Bender, he got to know Elvis as a person and learned his viewpoints on the world and he believed that Elvis had the most powerful medium through his music and he wanted him to be able to share his feelings about what was going on and you know he had just been doing all these movies where he had I mean I'm not going to say they're terrible songs because I like a lot of them but to him they weren't fulfilling his artistic or his creative uh feelings they they just weren't doing it for him he was so tired of singing the same old songs and doing the same old thing and the rest of the special had been him singing his old songs and not many new ones so um steve bender he wanted a powerful meaningful song to close out the special with so he asked um Billy billy goldenberg who was the musical director of the special and earl brown to write uh, a song that would express who Elvis was. So um, 
he said at first when they let they sang it for Elvis that he didn't really have any reaction to the song, so they didn't know if he liked it or not. And he asked them to sing it two or three more times. And he said that um, they were at the studio at the time in Elvis's dressing room at his piano. And Colonel Parker was in the other room saying, over my dead body. And they've waste, they're wasting valuable time in there because he wanted, like the movie portrays, a Christmas song to be the last song sang because the special was airing in December. So, um after hearing it a few more times, Elvis said, I'll do it. I'll sing the song in the show. And actually, and I thought this was crazy. So um, the colonel was so mad that that he agreed. But he said that um, immediately when Elvis said that he would, that the colonel, Tom Diskin, and Freddie Beanstalk came in with a contract and a pen for Billy and Earl, the songwriters, to sign that would give away all the rights to their publishing to Hill and Range. And, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, Billy Goldenberg, uh, who was the musical director, he said that he that Earl had really written the song by himself and removed his name from the lead sheet. So, that and that ended up costing him a small fortune. Because the songwriter splits the royalties, and I didn't know any of this, with the publisher 50-50. And since the album's soundtrack, um, like, kind of revitalized Elvis's career, like, Earl Brown made a ton of money off of this song. And um, so Billy Goldenberg lost half of everything that Earl won, or won, earned from that song. So, what's some other cool stuff? So, um, Steve Bender, he knew the whole time that he wanted Elvis to sing the song live on the show because he didn't want him lip-syncing this big number. But um, Elvis asked to practice it in the studio. So, he sang it once, and then he asked to sing it again with a hand microphone, which is super unusual in the studio. No one ever uses a hand microphone. And um, Steve Bender said he turned all the lights off in the studio and he could barely see the outline of Elvis when he was singing it that second time. And he said as he started to sing again, he dropped to the studio floor in a fetal position, clutching the microphone to his mouth. And that he'd already memorized most of the words. And that, like, he did still sing it live in the special. He in it, they recorded it June 23rd, 1968. And he, um, he, he said that the first take when he sang it in front of, you know, filming it was perfect and so powerful that some of the band members were taken, taken aback and blown away that they had to do several takes because the band members were so shocked with Elvis's, uh, performance with it, which I thought was cool. Cause that's how I felt when I watched it for the first time. Yeah, it's powerful. I really like that song, too. Yeah, and it spent 13 weeks at number 12 on the U.S. pop charts. Um, And in the U.K., it was on the charts for 10 weeks at number 11. And it's now a gold record single. And when we went to Graceland just a few weeks ago, because I love 68 Come Back Special is my absolute favorite, we got um, the book 
Comeback 68, the story of the Elvis special written by the director, Steve Bender. So that's where I got a lot of this information. It is so cool. I mean, it's it's thick, and it's all about the 68 Comeback special. And I didn't know any of that stuff, really. I knew the time period, which I think is another reason why I love the song so much. But And I also found, if you go on Graceland's website, they have a blog series. And I found some good info on there. So I felt like those were super reliable sources to find out some cool stuff about this song. But that's all I got. But I thought it was really, really cool stuff. And I encourage you to go back and rewatch him singing that. And I also, I feel like in the movie, I was kind of not worried. I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but. Austin Butler, I got the same chills watching him do that performance as I did Elvis. Like they well, he has his arm nailed it exactly. It's just like he did it just exactly like it was choreographed, just like Elvis did it. It was really cool. I, I enjoyed watching Austin do it too. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I love the song. Um, and we've also found out when we were there the um, we've seen that. Uh, outfit that he the suit that he wore the the white suit that he wore Mm -hmm. when he sang it and it was currently um on tour the suit was on tour or it was an exhibit in Australia so it wasn't there this time but we have seen it before but I thought that was crazy that I was so sad not to see it yeah, yeah, but I, but the the movie was filmed in Australia, and the that's where the suit was. So and thought, we we were also saying kind of deviating, but we were also saying we bet that the suit has to have like a bodyguard, and that would be the single coolest job ever to fly this suit over to Australia to make sure nothing happens to it. And I also wonder if that really is a job. I know that would be a good job. I agree. Yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. Okay, well, that was a good job describing your favorite favorite Elvis song. My favorite Elvis song is I Can't, is Can't Help Falling in Love. Um, That has always been my favorite Elvis song. Um, I just think it's one of the sweetest, one of the most romantic songs. So when did you realize that was your favorite? Was it the first time you heard it? I don't even know the first time. It's from the movie Blue Hawaii. I don't even know the first time that I watched Blue Hawaii. I mean, you know, I'm I'm old. Um, we had three channels on television, and every now and then you would have an Elvis movie that would come on maybe on Saturday, and you would watch it. So I'm not really sure when. Of course, we did have all of the albums. You know, we did purchase yeah. the albums, and so uh, that's, I don't know if I saw the movie before we had the the soundtrack or vice versa, whatever. But I've just always loved the song. And um, in the movie, uh, you know, Elvis doesn't sing the song to his girlfriend. He actually sings the song to his girlfriend's grandmother at her birthday party. And he forgot about that. He pulls the little music box out of his his, uh, pocket. And it's wrapped and, you know, he's been in the service and just Mm -hmm. gotten out of the service in the movie. And he pulls the music box out and um, he hands it to her and tells her that it's from Austria and he gives it to her. And when she opens the gift and she opens the music box up, it's playing the tune and then he begins to sing. And something I noticed, I, of course, watched the movie again today. Just Jealous. 
I wanted to, you know, be in the moment. Um, and I noticed something today when when uh, he's singing the song, he's got, you know, grandma sitting in the chair and he's on one side and his girlfriend Molly's on the other side. And I noticed today they were holding hands up above grandma's head on the, the yeah. chair. And, you know, it says, take my hand. Yes. So sweet. Love it. Love it. Love it. But I just think the song is timeless. I mean, I, I like the it version is. from the movie because it's just, the little yes. music box. And I love that. Oh my gosh. I hadn't even put that connection together. Yeah. It's, it's the music. Oh, box. that is brilliant. So I really, really love wow, that. Wow. That's a yeah. cool hit, hidden Easter egg in the movie. It is, it is. And yeah, and, uh, Casey Musgrave really knocked that version out of the park. She really, really did. But uh, a little bit of history on the song. Um, it was recorded in 1961 as part of the soundtrack for the 62 uh, film, Blue Hawaii. And it was actually recorded on the very last day of the recording sessions and it was it wasn't like any of the other songs you know I mean the other songs were were fast-paced and you know it just wasn't a typical Elvis song I guess you would say um it was actually it was based on an 18th century French melody um and it was written by there were three gentlemen George Weiss Hugo Peretti and Luigi Critter I'm probably butchering their names really bad. But anyway, the three of them wrote the song. And according to George Weiss, who was one of the the songwriters, um, the movie producers and Elvis's aides did not like the song at all. But no Elvis way. liked it. And he insisted on on recording the song. Um, you know, they they were they did not buy into it. They thought that it was too slow. I mean, Elvis basically had to pause between every word in the song when yeah. he first started out, but he, he increased the tempo and um, had to do it several, several times. But, um, but anyway, he laid down a smooth recording of it and, and Elvis, if you've ever studied anything about any, any of his, um, his recordings, when he, when he went into the studio, he was a perfectionist and he would record it as many times. I mean, it didn't matter if everybody else thought it was good. He had to be satisfied with it. And so, you know, he finally, he got satisfied with it. Um, and, and it was a song that nobody really had any idea that it would be the song that it turned out to be. Um, oh, yeah. They half liked it, you know. I mean, it kind of fit in, singing to Grandma, you know. Um, yeah. But they really thought it was an odd song to be on this soundtrack. Um, yeah. And they, Elvis was, he insisted on it. And they said, um, I read that Ernst, Jorgensen was uh, was in the last recording and uh, he just talked about how serious that Elvis took the ballad when he was singing it and he said he felt like Elvis knew that this would definitely be a classic this would be something that that would be um, you know go down in history um, I mean thank that was thank really goodness cool. he fought for it because that was really I mean I know you know, we love to listen to Elvis radio and stuff, and there's all kinds of his um, movie songs that play on there all the time. But that's probably 
the most famous song that came from his movies. I, I agree. And, um, I, you know, last week we were talking about, we, we talked about the movie Love Me Tender. And, you know, the song Love Me Tender was, was um, it was something that was from an Arlie. It was from an old um, Civil War song. Um, and Ken Darby, who was the music director for Love Me Tender, talked about how Elvis had such an ear for music. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I've got a quote where he said, Elvis had the most terrific ear of anyone I've ever met. He doesn't read music, but he doesn't need to. And he says, all that I had to do was play a song for him once, and he made it his own. Um, and he said that he had perfect judgment for what songs were right for him. And I thought that was really cool, yeah. too. Well, that goes right along with mine about If I Can Dream. Because, you know, he said he sang it once and the second time around he had the lyrics memorized. I mean, it was because it was a song that he believed in and resonated with. And he knew what a powerful moment it was it would be. And I mean, even him by himself was in the fetal position singing it. So it touched him that profoundly. Right. Well, I think, too, one of the reasons with Elvis's movies, I mean, I love Elvis movies. Blue Hawaii is Same. my favorite. Um, it's one of the better was, ones. But I was watching it, and bless his heart. I mean, it's like the movie starts, and from, I mean, in the first 10 minutes of the movie, there's probably been three songs already sung. You know, it's just yeah, like yeah. break-in from one song to the next, I mean, he's driving down the road with his girlfriend and they're sing he's singing her a song, you know, and, yeah. and he goes and he's, which, you know, everybody, one thing that stuck out to me when I was watching it this time is, yeah, Elvis did have to do some ridiculous songs, but he was not the only one. I mean, everybody on set was doing the same ridiculous songs and those little Hawaiian oh, yeah. men that were singing with him and dancing and doing all that crazy stuff. I thought, you know, Elvis. Elvis was not, he, he was not a, as big um, a joke with the songs as, as they were. I mean, I, like you say, yeah. I mean, I, I love the songs. I know, I know them. I, I, I know them by heart. I sing them along with the movies because I've seen oh, yeah. the soundtrack. But, um, you know, and, and you got to think back to the time period, too. You know, musicals, that was something that, that um, was popular at the time. But the fact that he, the songs that he picked had meaning to him. And then yeah. to have him sing ridiculous songs, you know, about a yeah. shrimp boat and the little shrimp jumping net and you know it's just ridiculous little songs it's, like that. It's honestly so sad because of the talent that he did have. One of the most talented humans to ever live. And they had him singing some of the craziest songs. They wasted so many years they, making exactly. them do those movies. And exactly. they just, they just, I can't think of the right word, but creatively he was just drowning. I well, mean, he, you know, the thing about it is, too, is uh, you've got a movie and it's one thing to watch the movie and, you know, people are, they're watching Elvis and, and of course they love to hear him sing. You got to think of soundtracks. They had to put enough songs in the movie to have a whole soundtrack to be able to sell yeah. that. 
And yeah. so, you know, of course there's not going to be that many songs that are going to have a lot of quality to them when you're, you know, when it's a story about, about a, a, a travel agent at the beach trying to, you know, take a bunch of women on a trip, you know, on a tour or whatever. I mean, there's not a lot of quality that you can come up with song wise, but they had to have a whole soundtrack. And that goes back um, to Colonel Tom Parker because most of the time, I mean, they started, they started not doing as well towards the end, but most of the time these movies were huge money makers and these soundtracks were huge money makers. And Elvis really could have cared less. He wanted to, sing songs that he loved and that were important to him and spoke to him but the colonel wanted to keep making the money so exactly yeah it was all about the money well and and you you know you're bringing up the colonel when um when elvis did the the uh the ballad when he did the song can't help falling in love um it, it was popular and um, RCA wanted to drop the single. It was Can't Help Falling in Love on one side. The B side was Rockahula Baby, which, you know, that was a, that was yeah. a really good, that was an Elvis That's a song. a good upbeat, yeah. But, um, but the colonel was so opposed to it. He did not want to release it. He had a policy that the movie singles had to precede the movie and the album by six weeks. Now he came up with this all on his own, but that was his mm. policy. And um, the songs, his latest flame and little sister, they were still in the charts. And he was afraid that if they released another single, that it would cut into the sales of the other two. Which you know, uh, no way. I mean, people were buying no. everything. To get a hold. He of would just have more it. songs on the charts. Exactly. But I, I think that I think it was just a way of the colonel trying to stay in control. And he also he had picked um, he already had good luck charm as the next single that he wanted to have released. So he basically had it all figured out how he wanted it to go and, right. you know, just basically wanted to be in charge. But there again, they did not feel that it would be that popular of, of a song. Um, but um, in January, in 62 um, it was it was in the top 10 of the the billboards hot 100 charts and it was number two and went platinum selling over a million copies so um, you know it it did really well and the blue hawaii soundtrack was number one um in fall of 61 and it stayed it stayed there for 20 weeks in a row i mean it had the record for years and years yeah i mean it it is one of his better movies. I could watch that one over and over. Yeah, I love that movie. I I really do. Um, but talking about the song, you know, you you um, you were talking about um, if I can dream. There was an album, if I can dream, that was released yeah. in two thousand fifteen, and it mm-hmm. was like the eightieth birthday anniversary, Elvis's birthday, um, and so they basically the way that they can do things now they had his voice and his singers but they also they were backed up by the royal philharmonic orchestra and the title of the um of the album was if i can dream which is your favorite yeah my favorite and my favorite song was part of the album so i thought that was really full circle moment 
Exactly. Full circle moment. And if you yeah. haven't listened to that album, it is so cool because Elvis, he he never wanted his volume to be higher than the band. And they exactly. started, they would tamper with it. The colonel would have it tampered with because um, he people would like his I heard or read I read that his wife would complain that she couldn't hear Elvis enough but Elvis wanted all of the volume to be the same he wanted the band and the instruments to be heard just as well as his voice he didn't want his voice out in the front because he that wasn't his sound his sound was everything so I love I've read that too I've read that and I think that he would love having the Philharmonic the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra oh yeah that would have just been another feather in his cap. I, I think he would have loved that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Can't Help Falling in Love, it has been, it, it's, I guess it's the most covered. I read that it was the most covered song. Um, oh, a I lot of people, so. a lot of different people, but just some of the ones that I knew, you've got Andy Williams from back in the day, mm-hmm. Bob Dylan. Wow. Too. Um, and then Casey Musgrave, who did, um, who did a rendition movie and she apparently was a, a is a big Elvis fan too and I thought she did a great job and then well, it you know in movies you know it was in Coyote Ugly and then in the Lilo and Stitch movie um it was oh, in yeah. both of those movies yeah well um Haley Reinhart from American Idol years ago she did that version yes on one of her episodes and she knocked it out of the park too she did amazing right yeah that that uh, song I've read that too that was that was something that I was I had come across and I had forgotten that I'm glad you put that in there um but it was definitely one of his most famous and one of his most romantic songs I just go back I just you know when I think about it his voice is so smooth he seems Mm -hmm. so sincere it's just like you just really feel like when you're listening to it it's just like he's singing it just for you and you know when he when he he started that was the um in in 68 he sang it at the 68 comeback special mm-hmm. but um after when he started doing the live performances this became his final song um he would sing it the the comeback special aloha from hawaii i think it was on this is elvis but it became the song that he would use for his closing number he did not do encores um but this was when he started singing this song you knew that uh, it was that it, over. it was it was coming to a close yeah and just like i say it's like he was singing it you know you feel like he's singing it specifically to you that's the way his audience felt. I mean, he's singing this song and he's basically dedicating this song to his fans. I mean, I yeah. just absolutely love that. And, you know, being the final song, his closing number, this is the last song that he sang in his final concert in June of 1977. This was yeah. the song that he ever sang before an, an audience. Wow. So, Chills. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, um, there's just so much that I just, you know, there's so many reasons I love the song, but I wanted to close my little, um, tribute to my favorite song, um, in the book, um, careless love. I think it, I think that's the name of it, but it's the, the author is Peter, 
uh, Goralnik, and he he describes Elvis's final act in his concerts. And this is a quote from him. He says, um, Elvis says, you're a fantastic audience. Then launches into Can't Help Falling in Love, which he ends down on one knee, his back to the audience, his cape spread out in that familiar pose of human adoration combined with self-adoration that the world has come to accept as Elvis in any language. Wow. And I just love that. I just love it. That's really good. Yeah. Well, great lines think alike because I also had a quote. (laughs) Oh, great. Yeah. um, They said Elvis was so moved by the song, If I Can Dream, and his experience with it that he told Bender, I'll never sing another song I don't believe in. I'm never going to make another movie I don't believe in. And while his career, as far as he didn't get to tour and do a lot of things, and in a lot of ways, he was, towards the end of his life, stuck in his career and not doing exactly what he wanted. I do believe that he did that because after the 68 special, I guess he he did have to finish out his movie contract because uh, Change of Habit and things were filmed after. But, but you know, Change of Habit was really it was more um, it was more like his. If I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I've seen. And he's it's like he's singing. He's like with a crowd of people, and he's singing and things. It's more like there's a reason for the songs. And the it's honestly one of seem, my favorites. It, and, and the songs didn't seem as dorky as Eto Eat, you know, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I do believe as much as he could that he that he tried, you know, with the films that uh, that he tried to to fulfill that uh, that desire that he had for um, being able to to have faith and, and to be able to feel and, and, and be true to himself in his songs. I do too, and I feel like it really did set him up for his career revitalization because after that he did, he went to American Sound Studios where he sang um, Kentucky Rain and In the Ghetto and Any Day Now and From a Jack to a King. Like he, he really took back his recording career after that and was just in yeah. at his prime. In yeah, his career, and what's cool is that he ended every concert with "Can't Help Falling in Love," but he ended the '68 comeback special with "If I Can Dream." So Good I feel like friend. they are two songs that were important to him, and that he believed in and was were was really passionate about. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and they're both they're both great songs. I agree. Two of his well, I've loved getting to learn. I learned a ton about both songs. So this was really fun. Yeah, it was. um, We have an Instagram at Let's Talk Elvis Podcast. If you haven't followed us there, go follow us. And if you like what you hear, please uh, follow or subscribe to our podcast and make sure to leave a review and message us to let us know what you think and let us know what your favorite Elvis song is yes and any fun facts you know because we love to learn all we can that's right we'll see you next week bye bye